Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Screen Talk, New Wire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson, who's still in New York. We are not sitting across the table from each other because we like to keep things separate. That's just the way things work. But it is good to have you in town, Ann. It's been fun hanging out with you. I know we've got a bunch of adventures ahead of us. How are you settling back into your New Yorker lifestyle? Oh, I love it. I went to the Music Man last night. I went to the opera at the Met the night before. Culture Vulture is me. You just and, dive uh, right in. And I'm running around town and, and I visited you in Long Island City and saw a nice splendid view. He, Eric is like that New Yorker. I mean, he's he's looking back that cover where he's looking west. He's looking back across the East River at Manhattan and the rest of the continent spreads yeah, out behind. Queens is a good way to put the city in perspective. I'll put it that way. But in in spite of everything you've been up to the over more here, more important, I met Eva. The you met baby. Eva. You met my, the next. I'm burying the lead. Yes, <laughs> it's not the important. it's not the view. It's the baby. Yeah, I think I think I got a baby she, fix. I think you and her had better chemistry than we did, but you know it's all relative. <laughs> That's not true. I handed her off eventually. <laughs> so in spite of all this New York stuff, some part of your brain has also been in Vegas because CinemaCon's been going on, and boy, it's a different tone than it's been the last few years. It sounds like theaters are back. Day and date is dead as dead. a business model <laughs> and everyone can go home happy model. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I, so so the thing to do is to sort of read the tea leaves, because, of course, the um, the theater owners are furious with the studios for treating them as badly as they did during the pandemic. But they're not going to say that out loud. What they are going to say are all the good reasons why uh, that you should brand your movie uh, by putting it in theaters. You should give the IP some kind of recognition and uh, awareness. You should uh, fight piracy by putting your movie exclusively in theaters for many weeks so that it doesn't instantly have pristine copies going up on um you know, streamed and ripped uh, and, and up on digital sites, which are very sophisticated and huge now. Uh, there was some statistic that was quite horrifying that the all uh, that the traffic at one of these enormous uh, pirate sites was more than Google's. <laughs> it, was, it was really. Yeah. I mean, you've got a couple generations, here. right? I mean, a couple generations like I, I'm the generation of like Kazaa and LimeWire, where people gradually started to discover the possibility of piracy. But now you have people who really were like born into an age in which piracy has been normalized to some degree. So it is a real threat. But and also to have to have somebody, you know, the the head of of of, of MPA, uh, Charlie Rifkin, describing the people who run these websites as mobsters. You know, yeah, it's I mean, a bit it's extreme. This huge, <laughs> it's this huge business, and they're they're launching enormous, you know, fighting apparatus uh, to 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 stop it. Um, but the real best way to stop it is to put movies in in theaters for as long as possible. 
possible before they go online. And so that's but part the, of the argument. That so they're what making. they're saying there is this sort of like it's you're going to get crappy versions of movies when they're bootlegged. And a lot of people don't actually want that at home. So no, they're they not want high quality. Want yeah. And you so. get that from as soon as it hits online, if it goes day, day and date, you're instantly pirated. So so that, you know, Warner Brothers went in and, and was duly chastened, you know, the ones who did the day and date strategy. But Jason Kalar is gone. And so they're back to brand new day. days. <laughs> and and so they're going hat in hand and saying, we love you. We love you. <laughs> and so all the studios are doing that. They're basically saying, we love you. We're giving you movies now. You know, they're going to finally Disney's finally going to they were chastened to uh disney's finally going to give them a pixar movie after two years you know yeah and, and it is a year. bummer when you look back on this like obviously turning red would have been a big hit in theater oh my God. I, i'm still so angry with them i mean pixar is a huge so they're just begging for family movies they 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 they, they say sonic the hedgehog 2 was an enormous hit bigger than the first one which is it sort of sucked, shocking, by the way you know <laughs> Whatever. I mean, some they, they don't have to be I haven't good. Gone to see it. That's I mean, really good movies can do amazing things with word of mouth, but products like that don't have to be good. I do think that some of this sort of ignores the specialty side of the equation where day and date has been this ongoing experiment for like 15 years. And in some very specific cases, a movie can do well in, in limited, very limited release while being on VOD because certain art houses still attract audiences. Yeah, that's who a, want different that world. It's a different world. A different world, but it's a, the one, one we should model. acknowledge. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that'll no, still be around. That's not what we're talking about. But um, but they, they can make big money in theaters. And I think I think the whole Netflix of it all, the schadenfreude is enormous, of course, as sort of jumping and a little annoying to be on. I mean, it's dead kind of thing. Yeah. But it's not. It's not dead. Netflix still exists. It's just, a, a again, uh, I mean, they're, they're jumping on their bones just this week netflix bought the new inuritu movie bardo now yep. we don't know what kind of theatrical they said they're going to do a, a global well, it's a, theatrical it's a spanish language uh smaller season. Right. it goes back to shooting in 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 mexico but you know still probably a, a bigger movie by a lot of, from an international standpoint i mean it's he's a major director and they're going to push wait. it in a big way wait. so yeah. i mean and and they they're this is an an international platform that still has a lot of money and they made sure, use of help that sure. year, but, yeah. No, yeah, it's an interesting. There was a good story in the Hollywood Reporter by Kim Masters that sort of dug into the Netflix. Um, so the um, Schadenfreude in particular happened. Yeah. You know what what was going on behind the scenes? How the you know departure of Cindy Holland, who ran TV for a long time uh, and had a, a much uh, more quality driven strategy, uh, you know, spelled the beginning of the end. Um, it was a fascinating <laughs> sign. Uh, you know, she stood up to Ted Sarandos, and when he became co CEO, I am very fond of Ted Sarandos. I'm a huge admirer of him, but nobody's perfect, and uh, uh, obviously, Netflix has made some mistakes. I think on some level, running a, an entertainment company like a technology company on some level with that sort of Silicon Valley ethos it, it ended up being a, a real disconnect for a lot of people. And, and the managerial dysfunction on some level seems to be 
you know, reflective of being a disruptor in Hollywood. I mean, it just didn't function like a traditional studio. No. And, and so what's really interesting about it, I mean, everybody's been weighing in, but the idea that, that a disruptor uh, shows everybody different ways to do things and you can learn from that and you can follow uh, their lead to a certain degree. So everybody did jump into streaming, of course, spurred in part by the pandemic, but they also, what the studios know how to do is, 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 don't get me wrong. They make a lot of crap, okay? But they also know how to how to build quality. And, well, they have and, a different hierarchy. I mean, that's they, what the Silicon Valley thing is that I was talking about. It's like you had like a lot of different people with green light authority, a lot of like loose spending and so forth. And so the curatorial well, the vision you know, to yeah, became you can't an issue. sustain quality if you're making 140 shows a year yeah. or whatever. And a lot of them are about fake cakes or cakes that look like real objects or something like all these game shows. Oh, they went nuts. So anyway, it's going to be very interesting. Everybody's as they're jumping up and down on Netflix, they're watching to see how they pivot. Are they going to do advertising? Are they going to go for a more quality model with less volume? We shall see. But in the meantime, everybody's hoping the theatrical is about to make an enormous comeback. And in the next nine weeks or so, as the summer unfolds, there's a great number of enormous movies, Jurassic, uh, Minions, uh, you know. Elvis. Thor. <laughs> Elvis we're going to see in Cannes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like dying to see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Box office prospects on that are anyone's mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, it's hard to say. By Thor the way, Love the Northman is interesting. We talked about this last week, but it, uh, as I suspected, it had a, a, a relatively soft opening given its cost, but it is actually holding in yeah, theaters it, and, do, it, and it, delivering it a, some word of mouth, which is exactly what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. I think for what it, for, obviously the, the cost on that movie is insane for what it is, which is a, a pretty tough sell. Like it, it is a an art house it's movie. It's delivering as it, an but... action movie. That's my hunch. Uh, if if it's doing as well as it is, it well, and the genre is people on some level. You know, I, I finally got through. I made the time to get through Kyle Buchanan's very entertaining book about Mad Max Fury I'm, Road. I'm, in, I'm on my way to the end right now. You have a cameo in there as well, and and I think what uh what what stood out to me about that is that there is a part towards the end where they talk about the marketing of it after they did this kind of crazy avant-garde production style, and they had to figure out how to sell it to people, and you realize like, well, actually the the genre is is pretty commercial, so it, it actually fit very well into the marketing strategy. And I think it's in this the greatest case, action movie ever made. I think, but I mean, with Northman, a lot of people will support that claim. But I mean, Northman is a similar thing, like really difficult production, really singular filmmaking vision. But then, like from like a marketing standpoint, it's actually kind of easy for people to understand what kind of experience Vikings kill people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty good. So that's actually and the immersive aspect of it gets you right in the center of the action and gets you uh, a kick that you might not otherwise have. Right. So Eggers had been saying, you know, he, he he thinks everyone should be rooting for this movie to succeed so other filmmakers can work on this level. I still don't know if that's necessarily something that all filmmakers should do. I think there's two that can work on this but, level. <laughs> but I do want it to succeed. To. <laughs> yeah, I do want it to succeed. I want original movies to succeed. I think it's too bad that the Nicolas Cage movie, Unbearable Weight of uh, uh, Massive Talent, underperformed. But I also felt like that was a tough sell and maybe should have been like a summer movie or something like that. The concept so can't of it was, was too meta, too too strange for people to really glom on to it's kind of inside showbiz kind of yeah situation. but i mean look movie stars are hard it's hard to get a you know certain kinds of movie stars 
to be commercial unto themselves. This was an opportunity for Nicolas Cage to kind of re-enter that conversation a bit and perhaps... He is branding himself very but, successfully over the yeah. past few films. And I, I, it doesn't hurt him. Yeah. No, he he comes out way ahead. Good publicity yeah. for Nick Cage. So speaking He's a good of actor. Movie... Let's give him some good movies to do. Oh, totally. I keep it coming. So, so speaking of uh, movie stars, we went to this Chaplin tribute this week at Lincoln Center for Kate Blanchett. And uh, it was a... Blanchett. Blanchett. As, as, R- as Richard, Richard Linklater, Linklater was reminded so... us funny he's he great he's thinking her dad is father tech- comes from texas you know <laughs> hey, Blanchett. yeah that was amazing as, as a fellow texan i appreciated that and also had no idea but uh you know what i appreciated about uh that night as a whole was that sometimes those tributes are a little too much it's like a lot of different kinds of voices it's almost like this is your life for movie stars with all these different people yeah, coming they did to not even TV. attempt to do that no, they, they ran no. a lot of great clips but they didn't do the sort of soup to nuts bio clip reel that that a lot of them do and it went by pretty pretty fast but that's partly because two of the main people they were relying on to carry the show did not show yes. show up so todd haynes flew in from portland oregon and his producer christine vachon who actually saved the day and and delivered at the end the the actual award to to Blanchett. Um, she she he comes in. He doesn't feel well, and she goes, "Well, we got to test you." And he wants he wants to go back to sleep. She says, "No, no, we have to test you right now and find out so that we can tell people what's going on." Can't and they be did, around Kate Blanchett. Yeah, you cannot. Get so her. so that's you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But but then Bradley Cooper drops out. We're told he wasn't well, but we never got specifics on that. And then I heard that, that his daughter had COVID and he didn't yeah. want to announce that, whatever. So Anyway, people were hard on him from the stage. Not too hard, fun. but they had there was some shade him. thrown. Everyone seemed <laughs> to enjoy it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, this, is a, this was a fundraiser and you got to give the audience some entertainment. And I think that's that was a great moment oh, well, early so in the night, right? So that was a great right? moment. You describe the moment. It, so it really so, so you well. have the, the chair of the board coming out and, and basically saying Daniel Stern. Right. and um he's saying you know todd haynes is not here the audience and the audience goes, oh. goes oh and then and bradley cooper oh, oh. you know and you had people who paid for this and then you hear this voice from the front row go i'm here and it's kate blanchett <laughs> and so everyone <laughs> applauded and honestly i've been to a bunch of these the enthusiasm in the crowd for her was yeah. i went to spike lee i mean michael douglas like this was like when she finally came on stage she got a standing ovation it was just you could feel it in the room. This is a movie star who has so much enthusiasm for her at this stage of her and career. And then the Film Comment co-editor, Divika Girish, who's kind of a rising star uh, at Film Comment, uh, has been for a few years, did a lovely job. Uh, she was a uh, terrific interviewer. Her a, a strong yeah, that was, that was really great. And it was a really good conversation. And one thing that I took away from it is, man, she has got some great stuff in the pipeline. I mean, no, she's got, she's, she's working, working with, with Pedro. Pedro Almodovar, Quaron. She's doing the the disclosure series with Apple in the UK, which she described as like seven movies. So and she's Warwick just going back there to to work. And Warwick Thornton, and who's a one of the journalist, and she's married to uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. I love that. And yeah, uh, Cody Smith Mc, Cody Smith McPhee is her son, their son. And then she's also working with Warwick Thornton, who's like one of the great. Um, Australian. Australian directors working today. So that 
I mean, that's such a great, terrific range of stuff. So, and we'll, we'll see where else she might pop up. Sooner the other enough. cool thing I was talking to Hilda Queeley, who's been her agent for many, many years, uh, handles Kate Winslet. She handles the two Kates. Um, <laughs> uh, and she, she was basically like, you know what, you know, you got COVID, you got war in Ukraine, you got all sorts of really important things going on. Kate just rolls with the punches, you know? Yeah. 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 And, there was a sense that she never got a chance to fully bask in the glow of Nightmare Alley. She did a lot of work for that, but she did it remotely over Zoom a lot. So like when we went to, well, I was, I was in New York for the in-person premiere of Nightmare Alley and most of the talent was there. She was up in the middle of the night in the UK and appeared via Zoom for the q &A. So she finally got a chance to kind of toast with the searchlight people who flew out yeah, uh, yeah, they were there on yeah, mass. Right. Um, and and what that that Nightmare Alley premiere at the Academy Museum in LA is the one where she appeared on this giant screen. Yes, she did in Lincoln Center too. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. But it was nice to see those. I mean, and I, I think overall they seemed happy with the Nightmare Alley arc, even if it wasn't a hit in theaters. I mean, it had a, a a really fascinating life, the whole black and white thing, the, and probably it's done well on Hulu. I, I mean, it just, you know, that that's not a bad thing for the state of a, a company that is doing a lot of stuff with Hulu. As I was talking to David Greenbaum of Searchlight, uh, uh, he's the one who really believes that Searchlight's going to continue to be theatrically motivated. A lot of people want to just consign them to producing for Hulu. And of course, they're going to do that. That's not a question mark. It's, it's a question of volume. If they keep up the standards of what they've been doing for theatrical and keep going with theatrical, they can add more movies and send them to Hulu. Yeah. So they're very, they're very gung ho well, on so, theatrical, some of these and they movies, say Disney is too. I mean, some of these movies will do very well on Hulu, and and it's not a bad thing necessarily. Like Fire Island, I mean, they had some of the talent from that film. That's a, a young gay rom com of sorts from Andrew on. It's the kind of movie that you know, as a theatrical, it's you don't know really what its prospects are, but as on Hulu, you know that it it's, it would probably do really well. Uh, but I do also think there's one one side of this that people aren't realizing is that there are some like old deals with HBO on the searchlight side. And so if they put something in theaters, it, it has to go to HBO first. So that, that has to change before uh, they can fully return to, uh, to the kind of theatrical approach they had before. So it, it, it's, it's an, it's a moving target of sorts, but it was, it was fascinating to, uh, to hear how they're thinking it through right now. That's, and the company does not have uh, a movie at Cannes, but they're planning to go. They're going to go uh, and they're going to acquire. Yeah, and they're going to acquire. So I, I am personally very excited to see what the market looks like it can with companies like this because the, it's very international at a time when I think people are actually interested in international movies. You know, I made that case last week that everyone had a different opinion about that Netflix should just go on a buying spree at Cannes. I do think all of the streamers have a lot well, of opportunity there. They've shown with Squid Game and Call Your Agent and everything that you could really uh, do well with foreign language. They have a huge number of big, big, big hits on Netflix. But what did you think of the juries that were announced this past week? I think uh, there have well, been a lot of up, They ended up that. doing okay. Um, uh, Vincent Landon is is running the 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 jury fresh fresh off of his his big success in Titan. Uh, um, is he exciting to you as a jury president? I'm just I I'm loved Ehrlich. He's okay. Yeah, I loved David Ehrlich's uh, tweet about how these juries are so good looking. 
you know, so hot that this is the great hot can jury with, you know, Joaquin Trier and and uh, uh, who else is on there? Well, Rebecca see. Hall. You've got uh, Lodge Lee. So it's a it's yeah, a good range jury. of film filmmaker types. Um, I and, uh, and Farhadi. <laughs> Nazgar Farhadi, who had been so so. Let, let me tell you so what I've They didn't I've worry heard. about his scandal. They didn't. So care. I had heard there were a few different steps here. At one point, they wanted Penelope Cruz to head the jury. So talk about a hot jury having having a you know it's great to have a movie star, whether it's like Kate Blanchett or somebody of, of else of that caliber to have a movie star at the top of your jury. You know, it's like great headlines for days. They're on the red carpet every day for the for different films and so forth. Uh, but they I had think trouble the, getting them this time because they well, were Penelope working. Penelope was in a, in a, an Italian drama called La Mencite, and there were some people saying that she wanted that film in competition, which obviously would mean she wouldn't be on the jury. And the film is not anywhere in Cannes, as far as we know, it's not being added. So something may have happened there. And then Farhadi was being talked about potentially as a jury president, but I think there were some complexities down one peg because of a weird situation with him and he'll make it, he'll make it work. I mean, it's French. They have a tradition of having French uh, juries every once in a while. He he's a big star in France and had that great year with Titane. So he's, he's fresh in people's memories as, as, as a really challenging actor. And so the hope with these juries is that, the uniformity doesn't result in something really conservative, you know, like that there's, that there's an excitement around something different. That's what happened with Titane last year. That's what I thought was really cool is that the jury could actually decide to give the palm to a movie like that and not just settle on something that's easy. So we'll yeah, see yeah. exactly what happens on that front. So we could talk a bit about, you already mentioned one movie opening that uh, that you you liked. Uh, Vortex is finally coming out. That's a film that was at Cannes last year. People Gaspar raved about that one. Film. I still have to catch up with it. It's it's a it's a tough one in certain ways, but it's it's so worth the the effort. I mean, Gaspar Noé's films are usually designed to make people uncomfortable. It's tough to watch, but it's a great movie. It's an incredible but, movie. Yes, and, and I filmmaking. Think- and I think the the difference here is that this is a film that's closer to Amour. It's about it's uh, 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 an older couple that that is having uh, challenge you know challenges with their marriage and with senility and so forth. And it's shot entirely in split screen, which is obviously this big formal gamble, but it really does pay off over time. And it's the most sensitive piece of filmmaking that that Gaspar Noé has made. I mean, it's it goes to some dark places, but not in a way that's designed to, you know, repulse you or or, or anything to that effect, certainly less so than his last film, Climax. So I hope people do get a chance to go check it out. And it is doing a theatrical thing. It's not a good VOD movie, that's for sure. And then Petite Maman finally came out uh, last film. week. So, you know, robbed of favorite, a lot of stuff. I, of, I do uh, wonder yeah, after yeah. all that, that that conversation last year about the French Oscar submission where they went for Titane over happening, if this would have been the movie that, that could have been could have actually benefited from that slot. Resolutely on team and small about it. That's that's the reason I think it couldn't be the the entry. Um, that's but that's I think is. what works it well. It is a about little it. gem. It is a little exactly. Jewel. But I actually think that a lot of people respect that. They respect the filmmaker who can take a couple of characters and come up with this like very they do in France, fantasy and they do very immersive fantasy. 
world, but I don't think that it would have done any better than to ten on uh, with the jury. Uh, with, well, we still don't with, with the, the, the with the international voters. I I'm curious Oscar about that. Voters. I mean, she was also robbed of Portrait of a Lady on Fire being submitted. That should have and, been submitted. That well, would have done very well. And they they submitted the Lodge Lee film instead, and he got nominated. So it's always a question. I think they both would have been through. nominated, and they yeah. both would have lost. <laughs> But I don't know, Petit Maman. I don't think Petit Maman was going to win last year, but I do think that everybody I've talked to, who I know that everybody I've talked film. to, sees I hope that movie loved it. it. It's a, it's and it a did well at Telluride, too. Lovely film. So next week, we'll have some new movies to talk about. We've got Men, the new Alex Garland film is starting to screen. I believe Top Gun is in the mix We're somewhere that in there. next week. Yeah. Very so exciting. we've got some real stuff going on, and uh, you're going to stick around New York. And uh, as we look ahead to Cannes, if people are going, they should stay tuned for some news about the latest live edition of Screen Talk. We're very excited to be bringing There's that back. To be one. Let's just put it that it, way. It will we'll be happening. The, the, the time and the station uh, later on. Stay tuned right. and, and I'll, I'll see you soon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.